Welcome to Super Pulp Science. Press 1 to engage the apocalypse. Press 2 to avoid that, because that's not fun. Thank you for your patronage. Attention, citizens. It's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm here with my long-suffering co-host, Justin Curry. Hello. And our uh, new suffering operations manager, Samantha Biko. I had to feed him that line. She's, it's true. She did. She really, really did. Um, we are going to talk to you today about a bunch of different stuff, but specifically, we talked just before the mic got turned on about when you grow, how to know what to do about it. Right? Basically? Is that right? Yep. That's what we were talking about. Um, basically, we're going to be discussing not only for, you know, Greg and Justin as people who are starting a brand new collaborative brand or business, um, when growth is a good thing, how to manage it so that you don't grow too much. And then all of a sudden you've outstripped not only your values, but your resources. And um, people who are looking to grow as individuals, as artists, um, when it's time for you to look at your, take a good look at your skills and when it's time for you to grow and how the best way to do that. And we're going to talk about an opportunity that Good Machine, which is the collaborative brand that Gregory and Justin have started up, um, is kind of, they have a, an opportunity with them that's coming up. We're going to talk about that a little. So part of this growth idea came out of the fact that we were looking at intern resumes. We had 13, 14 people send us resumes, and many of them are just at the very beginning of their journey. And we have this, we're in this sort of seesaw position about whether to be too critical or not critical enough. And at what point can you encourage growth by being a little bit stern and say, like, no, you should have done better. I'm sorry, you're off the pile. Or to try and see the good, to see the good in people and say, hey, maybe we can be a little bit better than when we had our interns, internships. Now, I've never had or had to do a specific internship, but I know Justin has. So he's going to tell us a little about that. I had uh, an internship through Red River, actually, as part of uh, second and third year, mostly second year, they uh, they match you up with companies that they think will kind of facilitate your skill level and your style and stuff like that. Um, so I worked for a smaller company in the, uh, the, the north end of the city that was like an hour and a half bus ride every morning. It was quite the commute, so it was not an ideal location. Um, and they had me do some flash animation, which was a lot of fun because I... Didn't get to do a lot of flash animation. We we built websites in Flash, but we didn't get to animate anything. But I got to do some animation with them, which was great. And they also had like a little video game studio in the same like sharing space. And so I got to hang out with some concept artists as well. Was this a paid internship? No, no, it's through uh, through school. Like so, you do one week. Uh, you just hang out with a company and, and do work, and then in the second semester, you do two weeks. Um, but the great thing about this is uh, my second internship, I worked with a company that led to a summer job. And then after I graduated, it actually led to a full-time job because I'd basically been trained there and they knew what I could do and they knew my skill set. So it was not, it was barely an interview after school to get hired there. It was just a 
you want to start coming here every day and getting paid for it. And um, yeah, so it was uh, it was great. I didn't feel like I was really abused during my internship. You did an internship once as well, did you not, Sam? Can you tell us about that? I sure did, Gregory, and I sure can. Um, I'd like to preface this by saying that in the arts field, internships, they're pretty much the best way to mainline yourself into a field and to get skills and because you need to have some kind of technical skills background or training to be considered serious um the downside to that is that you are expected to work you know usually a minimum of 15 hours a week usually either for nothing or in the rare um case for an honorarium that's usually split up over a short period of time and some and for the most part i'd say 50 50 there isn't really a guarantee of full-time hire because they're just you know trying to um they're trying to fill usually in some of these positions you know they want busy work or things that you know their employees just don't have the time to do and sometimes it's not even the technical training you were after so you have to like collect internships to build enough experience to even sometimes apply for entry-level positions and this was the case in book publishing. When I graduated from the Humber program in Toronto in 2010, um, a, a great part of the program was that they tried their best to help facilitate getting internships for all 40 graduates of the class, which was very nice. Um, not everyone got one, uh, but you know everyone was given that support, and you went directly from your program into an internship. Uh, in my case, I I threw myself at someone at an event and basically begged to be their intern in the middle of my program. So I was interning as well as doing a program at the same time. Um, and I went from being an intern at that company at Cheesing Publications to, after seven years, becoming the co-publisher uh, because I was, you know, really devoted to their brand and they did, um, you know, they did integrate me a lot into the community as well, into the publishing community. Um, but for a very long time, I was not paid and I was paid or I, when I was paid, it wasn't um, industry standard. It was so I had to work two to three jobs at the same time as doing my internship. OK, hold on. I'm putting the brakes on here. Twitter has taught me that you should never do work for no money. In fact, people constantly tweet angrily at each other about not working for no money. Why would either of you do an internship for no money? He said cleverly leading the question well i was 20 years old and in living in a strange city and didn't know anyone and was basically like i'm going to take what i can get so and that is usually the advantage that a lot of these companies have over these fledgling artists people who are really desperate for experience and also this endless cycle of you can't do this job or apply for it without experience but you can't get experience without getting this job and so the really the only solution has been to take on these internships. And in retrospect, as I you know, have grown older and I'm now in the position to advise people who are, were in my, are in my position now that I was in, I am always like, you know, you should really be looking for an internship that at least offers an honorarium or at least offers an employment guarantee. Um, but yeah, you sh definitely, um, you should really be considerate of that because even when you don't have skills and you're just training them, you s your time and the effort that you're putting into a job, it's still worth something. And if a, you know, a publisher or a company can't pay you, um, even like a pittance, like a three month honorarium pittance, then why, why are they trying to get people to work for them? You know? Um, so you should build it into your model that you're going to budget for that. That's just something that, as a business, you should be budgeting for. 
due to their enormous military budget, the Klingon economy does not have the resources with which to combat this catastrophe. So let's imagine I'm a young, starry-eyed, recent graduate of a program, and I'm just being told this is the done thing. Like, you just, you just do internships. You don't get paid. You just go do them. And I don't want to do that. Is there any other recourse? Well, I think... Like what you what you get out of an internship is experience and pieces in your portfolio, and I think that's probably not as much of a problem for you because you're a bit of a self starter. You did a lot of your your first graphic novels and your first big projects were under no steam other than your own. But if you're not that kind of person, if you don't have big projects and big ideas of your own that you're willing to put the time into and you're not going to be doing anything anyways, why not work for a company, um, get introduced to the the industry, and get a couple projects under your belt, or at least see how, how they're done so you can start to do them yourself. Does that make sense? So we're just building skills? Well, you're building the way to also confer your skills. Um, and also, while you're doing an internship, you can maybe, as you're developing these skills, feel more comfortable in them and you know develop a website where you can start doing freelance work to further develop those skills. Um, the caveat there being that you wouldn't be able to on the right off the cuff charge industry standard for things that you're just developing. Um, but like so that's something that I did and that's something that a few of my peers did while we were in the publishing program is we started freelancing a little bit on the side which helped quite a bit. I just realized something it was a blatant lie when I said that I didn't do an internship because I have a degree in education and you do a whole year yeah student teaching which is basically an internship. It's because you're old and you forgot. Um, thank you operations manager for pointing out my weaknesses. This is one of the reasons we have brought Sam on to the project. Um, yeah, you do, in education, you do basically a year-long internship. It's a job placement. You're doing the work. You're not being paid for it. You're being, you're convincing yourself that it's part of your grander education, but really it's a free labor force. Um, but it's actually no buts. It's, it's identical. You just need to be there in the salt mines doing the job. You can't do a job theoretically. You have to do a job practically to know how to do that job. And I think in general, taking your lumps is a character building thing. And it prepares you for a lot of things down the line. Um, not even just, I don't want to say abuse or manipulation, but I just did. Um, but it just, it, it prepares you for a work environment. It prepares you um, to develop coping mechanisms, uh, as just as someone working in a labor force, it prepares you for what to expect in positions. And also, if down the line you start your own business, it prepares you for how you want to treat people and how to be treated um, with that experience and insight. Um, and I mean, I'm really, I am a fan of taking the lumps because it really develops what you can take and what you can build. And like Justin said, you can use it as an opportunity to, you know, develop who you are, either as an artist or a creator or a business person. Um, and you have to look at it that way. You can't ever kind of be like, well, I graduated and now I should just be able to get that nine to five steady job and went with nothing really to back it up. I feel that you need that. Okay, I have a question for both of you. We've been talking a little bit about how to grow, and an internship is a good way to build skills and take your lumps and get some experience and be in the salt mines. But how do you know why to grow and when to grow? 
from what perspective? Sam says quizzically from the far corner of the room. Um, I mean, um, let's say you're a writer, you're an artist. Well, we'll just talk specifics. Sam, you're a writer. How did you know when you needed to start putting in more time at the keyboard? How did you know when it was time to start looking for an agent? How did you know when it was time to reach out to libraries yourself, right? How come you didn't just keep doing what you were doing, but you changed your behavior to do something else, to get something else? How did you know internally? And Justin, don't think you're off the hook. You're answering this next. A good question, Greg. Also a difficult one. This is different for everyone, but... uh. Oh, I've been writing and creating stuff since I was a teenager, since like age 15, age 16. And basically I was like, I want to make this into, into a career. How do I do that? And I just started reading everything I could, books, the internet, articles about how other people have done it, how to get there. And also I had finished a couple of projects and was like, well, I finished them, so I must be ready. And as a dumb, dumb 16-year-old went out into the world and started pitching my book to you know agents and, um, and publishers, and, you know, while I did publish my first book, I got my contract at 19 and it was published at 23. Um, you know, I was pounding that pavement for a while and I still haven't I still haven't gotten an agent. I'm still looking for one. Um, it's basically just knowing it's, it's just an inherent thing as you're working and you're like, I know that I want to do more with this. So I'm going to just keep working at it and doing absolutely everything I can. But I'm not going to put my life on hold while those things don't happen. I'm just going to keep keep moving forward as things happen and as the rejections roll in, and they certainly did. Um, it didn't. It wasn't. Uh, I didn't find that discouraging. I was just like, well, yeah, I'll just keep trying then, because luckily there are lots of people who have had these experiences already and they've shared them. And while all of our approaches to these kind of things are different, the experience is almost universal. Where you know there are the exceptions, you know. Um, but it's just at the end of it, at the end of it, you just have to keep going and keep working hard and have that kind of inherent discipline and determination. Why do you have to? You're not off the hook yet, Sam. You're going to answer this next, Justin, but you say you have to have this determination. You should just do it. But why? I want you to answer that. I think like it's kind of leading back towards when you're like, you ha you kind of have to go into the salt mines a bit. Um, I think without it, there just comes, it becomes more of a feeling of entitlement and that I should just have it automatically, um, which has always been kind of a, a thing for me that I'd never want to lean into. Um, why do you have to have it? Because you're the one who gets it done. And if you can't get it done, someone else is going to do it. And, you know, there's all these, these people that I talk to, either writers or creators, and they come up to me and they're like, how do I finish and how do I... You know, how do I write a book? And it's just like, you know, there are skills you can put in your tool bag for getting these things done. But in the end, you just have to sit down and do it. And I've said it before in all kinds of other places, but people treat writing or creating very preciously who aren't actually involved in doing the writing or the creating. They think it's the very Hollywood glamorized. It comes to me in an epiphany, and I'm going to labor over it for many years. Um, and yeah, that's an approach for sure. Um, but if you treat writing and creating like that, it's very unlikely that you're, you're going to reach the depth of your potential. Because sometimes writing and creating is just digging the ditches. It's just sitting down and digging and then leaning back and being like, all right, now I'm going to go and refine that ditch so the walls are a little straighter and a little more accessible. Um, but if you kind of treat it like, oh, well, I'll write it when the inspiration strikes me, 
inspiration is not something you can rely on, but discipline and, you know, determination is. Okay, so Sam says that discipline is the ditch, so that when inspiration, the rains come, they have somewhere to go. Um, but how do you know when it's time to grow? You've grown a lot, Justin. You've been doing things steady, incremental growths, but how did you know you were ready? I've kind of been thinking, as as you guys been, have been talking about, how I'm the intern at Chasing Artwork and how much free work I do for my own company. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's uh, if you sit around and you kind of wait to be discovered or you wait for the projects, to, like somebody, a publisher to just discover you out of the blue and say, I want to pay you a bunch of money to make whatever book you want to make, you're, you're never, ever going to go anywhere. Uh, so something I've kind of learned throughout the years is, is don't, don't rely on that. Don't wait for anybody to, to do it for you. Um, do the projects yourself and then do another project yourself and just keep going and going and going. And eventually, all that stuff is going to... It's kind of like finding... I used to be really concerned about finding a style. And as soon as I stopped worrying about it and just buckled down and, and worked on the grindstone, like it developed. And as soon as I stopped really worrying about when you know, these big companies are going to come chasing me... Um, when I was really, when I'd stopped being concerned by that and just worked on my portfolio, that's when they, they showed up at my door, you know? Like, it was just uh, just putting the work and the time in, and the world will notice. Come and get it! Is that the advice we're going to give to our intern, that we just say, like, just put in the work and the time, and the world will notice? Or will we grind them to a tiny blunted nub on the wheel of our grand machine here how do we give somebody else actually we haven't had this open conversation really how do we give that intern the right benefit for being here what is it that we can give to them yeah yeah justin just like yeah just just see how glorious we are and just take it in and there's your training (laughs) hands off three months just love us um, I think one thing that we can all pull from based on our past experiences, um, this is something that I often say whenever I was working in a job um, and I, when I was younger and taking my lumps, I would take note of things I would never do to, to run it or, you know, if it, was a, if it was a retail job or a publishing job or whatever, I always keep tabs on the things that I didn't like but put up with and that I kind of, you know, turned the other cheek and said, yep, this is just me taking my lumps but there are better ways to do this. And because of, with that, you know, that kind of knowledge, that's how I would maybe like to approach managing this, uh, this new intern, um, who, this is like your first time also having an intern or managing one, um, because, you know, you guys have been really busy creating and getting your stuff out there and hitting the pavement and doing these cons. And now you're kind of stepping back and being like, you know, we are growing and we want to grow well over fast. And we also, you know, Greg, you've talked a lot about how there's a big part of this internship is you want to relay mentorship. You want to feel like you can be a person that this person that you hire can come to for advice or they can actually learn something from your experiences. Um, Because I know in this field of independently created artwork and book publishing, um, 
there it's not a steady straight path and we are not going to reinvent the wheel here with this internship and make it a steady straight path but we are going to maybe you know pull the curtain back and kind of say listen it's not steady it's not straight but here's some things that you could expect and you can manage it in a way that we were never kind of told how to um you know programs try to prepare tr they try to prepare you i think really um i just want to be i want to convey honesty. I don't want to kind of, I want to say, you know, these, this medium and this world that we exist in, either as independent artists or as this collaborative brand, it's great and we love telling stories and that's why we're here. But here are some of the realities, some of the things that we have faced, um, you will likely face them too. And, you know, not to feel discouraged when, you know, you, maybe things don't go the way you expected or planned to because you really just have to learn to pivot. Yeah, I was thinking about my answer to that question while you were talking too, that I think what I hope um, someone who comes and hangs out with us in the capacity of an intern gets from this is how to fail gracefully. Like if, if we can show somebody for a couple of months how when things don't work out, when the deal doesn't go through, when the travel doesn't work, when the plan didn't work, that that's just part of the job. Like that's, you know, everybody has a bad day at work. And, you know, you have to decide how you behave about that day. And hopefully we will set an example that's positive. But we have our, I mean, I had a grouchy day here yesterday, right? Oh, Justin is shaking fervently. Um, but, I mean, that's part of what it is, is that you just have to get back to the desk and hang on tight. I, uh, I agree with that sentiment. I don't know how much I have to, to add other than, yeah, when, just just keep going. Just keep doing things and uh that's it's kind of been uh something i've i've noticed in in bit in life and my career here is uh if the big picture is a little scary or overwhelming just keep working on whatever you're working on and, and move on to the next thing and the next thing and eventually the big picture is gonna figure itself out now i have a question for you guys as uh business people businessmen where did the impetus come from that you guys were just like, yeah, you know, I think it's time that we bring in an intern. Now, aside from the, you know, the, the wonderful mentorship and the things that you want to impart, why for your business do you feel that you need an intern? I, just, I think I kind of want to say I never, I never got into this to be a business person. I never wanted anything to do with the business aspect of, of making and selling artwork. I just wanted to make art, period. The fact that money has shown up and um, we're <laughs> money, money started to show up. I've gone from in the last like three years to no studio to a little hundred square foot studio to now over 1,200 square foot feet of studio and other people working alongside and, and doing their own things. And it's all just kind of happened naturally. Like none of it was, none of it was a, plan necessarily it's just things have grown and evolved to the point where this needs to happen now and that needs to happen now and I think it's all been very organic how this is is come about and it just feels like it's it's time to bring on somebody like an intern to help out with all these other things that that we're running out of time to do ourselves yeah the intern you know aside from I'm already doing some comics mentoring with some people and we uh, open up the studio to some friends who come and make stuff for us or with us, I should say, just sort of in the environment. But 
the uh, idea to have the intern came down to basic math, right? That there's sort of 10 hours or more of work that happens in the studio that anyone could do. It didn't have to be you or I. And what we could leverage that extra 10 hours out of, it's almost a whole day of work, right? If I could add an extra day of work back into my work schedule, what could I accomplish with that? How many new projects or how many new leads or new mentorships could I do? So that was, it was kind of a uh, cost-benefit analysis is what prompted it, is that I was just like, oh, if I only had an extra day every week. And it's like, oh, what regular people do in business is they pay labor so that they get the time back. And so that was kind of where it came from for me. Whether or not that will prove to be a good thing is partially why we set the internship to just be a couple of months long, so that we could check and see if that's in fact useful to us. And if it's not, then we can send that person on their merry way without it grinding to a dismissal period, right? Which nobody wants. That's not our goal is to like get sick of somebody, but instead to have someone that maybe fits in. But if it's only a couple of months long and they don't fit in, well, we can put up with that too. And uh, then send them on their way and find a different person. It's like you have to take your lumps even when you're an established artist or business person. You just have to keep taking them until something gives or you choke on the lumps. Ah, it tries to choke us. We can't eat ceramic food. You, you are going to be paying this intern, correct? Yes. Um, and you've budgeted for that, correct? Correct. Why is it important to pay the intern, Greg? Uh, because time is valuable. I believe my time is valuable, and so I believe that other person's time is also valuable. Um, and the reason why we have our honorarium set the way it is and have the timeline set is because it's what our budget can afford for an experiment in leveraging that time. So, okay, so if we're going to, you know, really pull back the veil, uh, Justin and I were talking about, you know, what things are we willing to risk to try and grow this year? And one of those, this is an experiment. Right? Maybe having another person around totally spoils the flow of our creative energy, becomes a hassle of someone to maintain or manage. Maybe they are the wrong personality, you know, uh, maybe some acerbic monster latches onto the studio space and we just want them to go. But maybe, maybe they're a perfect addition to what we're wanting to do here and, you know, we can grow as a result and everyone benefits because if they can add more productive time to our bottom line, then our bottom line can earn more, which means we can pay an intern for longer. It's sort of the idea. Could we earn with that extra 10, because it's both Justin and I, so that's like 20 hours a week. Could we earn more from 20 hours a week, right? Doing the high end parts of our job than the low end parts. And unfortunately, that is the intern's job is to take over the somewhat undesirable portions of our studio. Which is why we feel the need to pay them as well. We, we have some, some tough jobs ahead. So it's guilt, Sam, is why we want to pay them. That's why. That's why. I love guilt motivation because does it ever get things done? Fairly. Um, yeah, and I think also um, a thing that... Uh, I just wanted to mention that's really great about an internship and about just the technical infield training is actually connecting with the community, with your local community of people who are doing the same thing. Because I know um, as I'm reading through a lot of these applications, um, 
a lot of these, a lot of their objectives are centered around getting to know more people who are currently doing these things that I want to be doing. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's really great access is through something like this. Um, and then they can also, you know, benefit from talking to other people who have had these different varied experiences. Um, and that was a huge thing for me when I became an intern or when I was in my training was just meeting people. And some of those connections that I made eight years ago, I still have today. And they have really helped with my career for sure. Yeah. So I guess sort of our hope is that the environment is small enough that if we're making you move stacks of 40 pound boxes or sort prints at the same time, you're hearing us on the phone, you know, talking to a TV producer or a movie producer or talking to a yeah, or going to events, or they're, you know, coming with us to shows, or they're seeing how we um, maneuver for better distribution in some of the other things that we're doing, like that there is a, uh, that they can be a fly on the wall, if they're careful and attentive, and gain a whole bunch of, well, that's how those guys did it. It's not necessarily the best way to do it, because we're making it up as we go, but they at least have a frame of reference for something that they got. Um I have a question for you, though, because you've been going through most of the applications, Sam. Can you give us a top three uh-ohs that you saw in the applications that people could learn from? I sure can, Greg. <laughs> and the thing is, you started out this episode kind of being like, how do I balance being a cruel, you know, asshole and auto-failing some of these people as if I were marking them? Um, and also as an editor who uh, I'm a very strict, like if you didn't read the submission guidelines, then pff, there goes your story or your book by into the pile of trash um, because it's, there's just so much that you have to go through, right? So as an adult in the grown-up world, number one, read the application requirements. Um, so uh, some people didn't. Some people submitted an application that wasn't, in, that wasn't complete or was maybe their rough draft, like the wrong file and was just missing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, that was kind of key, like your contact info, your education. Um, also, a big kind of gaping hole with some of these applications um, was people did not identify their their objective for the internship. Even though uh, we provided a thing through our application, uh, which was a pre-interview questionnaire, which was an assorted, I think it was eight questions, and a lot of them were, what do you want to get out of this? And random stuff like, what do you have for breakfast? And what's your favorite mega monster? I'd have to say that that question, like what's your favorite movie mega monster, that's like leading a lot of my top choices. Um, but some people um, didn't fill this out at all, didn't submit any materials. Uh, or just, yeah, just glaring stuff like that. It's just, ugh. Someone hearing that Mega Monster question might say, wait, that was really a question on your questionnaire. Why would you include that? That's not really about your skills. But recognize, dear listener, that anything that reveals to your potential employer the personality of the person that they're hiring is far and above more important than the other you know, where you went to school or what your marks were. Those are just academic benchmarks, right? The moment that you're asked to give something that's of yourself, be as honest as possible and lean into that because if the people don't like that part of you, it'll be a horrible working environment for you, right? But if they do, if they think, hey, you know, the time that Jafar turned into a giant snake is a great answer, um, then maybe you're the right person for the job. Anything to add to that, Mr. Curry? He just shakes his head no. He's going to be the silent partner in the internship. He's going to be the veto vote who just shakes his head no silently in the interviews. Um, one last question for you, Sam. 
How do we do interviews? You got to do them. <laughs> so don't, don't, I hope this isn't a question is, can we avoid doing them? Because you have to. Um, how are we going to, what exactly do you mean by that? Like if I am an intern coming to the internship interview or if I am the person sitting on the other side of the internship, do you have one final all encapsulating piece of perfect advice for us as our operations manager of how to handle it? For you, for you running the interview, not for the interviewee. That's what you're asking. I want you to read these applications, guys, before we do the interviews. And don't just rely on the notes that I have made as I've read through them, because I need you to have your own objective opinions. Because the things that bother me about people's applications, and you said this earlier in this episode, might not bother you. And you can see, maybe you can see through the things that really were like a pin in my skull as I was looking at it. You can see through that, and you can see a potential, and that's why the three of us are kind of overseeing it because having those sober second or third thoughts um, will help us through the process. Um, so just just prepare a little bit. You got to do your own homework S uh, in the same way that the interviewee has to do their homework about us. And considering that we don't, we have kind of like as this collective, this good machine company. It's still a bit nebulous because you guys are just getting established. So to be fair, they didn't really have a lot of means of doing. Um, research except on your own individual platforms so on your social medias maybe they creep the hell out of your social medias or they've been quietly stalking you at shows for many years uh, we're listening to this podcast actually so a lot of people in their cover letters did mention the super pulp science podcast so i will um people are trying they really want to know who you are um so you know giving them that information we did we did in the posting we gave them a kind of a detailed outline gave them places where they could check you guys out and a lot of them did do their homework so by that same token you're gonna have to do yours too and you're gonna have to creep them on social media okay <laughs> oh and we will so lock down those social medias if you've got things you don't want us to find looks pretty good to me looks like hell it's all we got so it occurs to me justin that we should definitely do a follow-up episode where we talk about the application process and maybe even introduce the person that we selected if we, in fact, select somebody, right? What's that? They start in mid-June. In mid-June, yeah. So tune in mid-June for the follow-up to this uh, podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Super Pulp Science where we talk about how genre gets made. Um, when to grow and why to grow, not just how to grow, is an important part of your process. But as always... I hope you join the fight and make comments.